Hey, everybody. Hi. 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 Get the highs right out of the way because you guys usually do that. Uh, and tonight <laughs> we are reviewing Philadelphia, the movie from 1993 about Tom Hanks getting sick. Wonder, wonder why we are choosing to do that. Uh, as I think everyone knows, there are no theaters open right now anywhere at all in the U.S. and most of uh, many other countries. So, uh, no theater reviews now or for the next several weeks, possibly months. So we're going to be doing streaming reviews. We're kicking it off with Philadelphia. Uh, I think, Nicole, we, we had kind of a running list of all the movies we kind of recommend to each other that we want to eventually see. Um, for the show, and this was uh, Nicole one. Nicole, what what yeah. interests you in having Philadelphia on the list? Um, well, I never saw it before, and I'm very aware of what it was, and I know that it's you know in the is it's a movie that most people really enjoy watching, find it very powerful. So I definitely wanted to see what was going on with it and why it made such an impact on you know pop pop culture of the time. Um, and you know, just to see Tom Hanks's role and how he plays something like this, so I was very intrigued. Y'all live in Philadelphia, so yes, that's that that. true. We also live in Philadelphia. Well, okay, have you had you seen this before, or did you know anything about Philadelphia, the movie? <laughs> it's a city. Um, I actually saw this in the theater when it came uh, out. I saw it um, in January of 1994. It was the last movie I saw before I became a mom. That's really oh, cute. interesting. Yeah, it was, and I remember it as like that, and it was sort of like, wow, that was a lot. I wonder how how uncomfortable is it to be in a movie theater that pregnant? Yeah, this is uh, not a fun eight months pregnant movie. <laughs> um, well, it wasn't with Brennan. It wasn't bad. I didn't gain a lot of weight with him, so it wasn't too too bad. I mean, oh, that's you. Good. You lost weight after you had me. Like you were lower than your starting weight after me. I did. I was ready to go on the pregnancy diet, which nobody really ever says. But um, yeah, I was very, very careful with um, what I was eating and everything when I was pregnant. So I wound up, yeah, I gained 11 pounds and you were nine wow. pounds. So yeah, that's very impressive. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't terrible. So anyway, Philadelphia, the movie, uh, I had not seen it before. Uh, I knew what it was. Um, I didn't know what it was till like college, though. I had, n- I had not heard of this ever, like in my childhood. I, it's not really a kid's movie, but uh, you'd think it would come across the plate at some point. Uh, but Philadelphia, for those who don't know, hailed as a landmark film that dazzles with deep emotion and exceptional acting. Ooh, this is a... Indulgent, uh, indulgent synopsis. <laughs> Philadelphia is the story of two competing lawyers who join forces to sue a prestigious law firm for AIDS discrimination, and as their unlikely friendship develops, their courage overcomes the prejudice and corruption of their powerful adversaries. Very broad wow. stroke. That's a lot of adjectives. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, circle jerking in that one. Um, but wow. if you have not seen, I don't know, I was trying to think of another way to say it, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you have not seen Philadelphia, uh, it's on Netflix. I'm sure you guys are probably on there right now as you're listening to this. So go ahead and uh, check that out if you have any interest before we spoil it. We rate things here at Films with Women in My Life based on four criteria, and those are the plot the characters, the visual and sound, and the overall resonance and feel of the movie. We have our two lawyers, Andrew Beckett, played by Tom Hanks, and Joe Miller, played by Denzel Washington. The movie starts with them. Uh, they are competing for, and not competing, they're, they're in a case against one another. 
uh, about some building permit in the city. Uh, and so we quickly learn Andrew Beckett, the Tom Hanks character, is a senior associate, newly promoted, at a large corporate law firm. Uh, and uh, his his adversary in this opening scene, Joe Miller, is a defense lawyer, like a, a personal injury defense lawyer. Ambulance um, chaser. Basically, he's the guy from the TV, from TV. Uh, you know, he's one of the, one of those kind of lawyers. Joe uh, Bornstein. Yeah. Joe, yeah. I don't think most places have Joe Bornstein. Yeah, everyone knows. <laughs> I, I think th- I think they do have win, win, one every there. If they're like one eight hundred win, win, one. I think that's actually like a chain of this kind of lawyer. So um, everyone knows the 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 the, 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 the lemon law guys. Lemon law guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all talking like. You can't very... say any names. We're gonna have to owe money to them. <laughs> they're, they're on their, their faces are on billboards and bus stops and you know you know who we're talking about i think we've made ambulance that chasers clear as we can uh andrew beckett uh he's getting promoted and he he's boss notices he's got what looks like a little bruise or a possibly a lesion on his uh, temple and he's like oh i got hit with a racket and racket ball or rac- racket ball ball and racket ball uh and he's like oh that's suspicious and then we find out quickly that andrew has aids uh, he's a gay man with AIDS in the early 90s. Not a good time for any of those things to be what you are. Um, <laughs> so so he gets fired from his company because he misplaces a uh, important document for a very large case that they are working on. Uh, it, it is found at the last moment, uh, but he believes that he is unjustly fired. He was sabotaged by uh, the company once they found out he was gay and had AIDS. Um there's, you know, he, he goes to as many lawyers as he can think of to try to take his case against this big law firm. Lands on Joe Miller, who is reluctant to take the case because he is a bit of a homophobe and uh, does not like that he has AIDS. Thinks it's a, it's this is a time before uh, we knew how AIDS worked exactly uh, and uh, people were shunning people with AIDS uh, and gay people in general, uh, more, more so than the typical time periods, I suppose. Um it was magnified and uh the whole movie is uh andrew and joe they they eventually start working together and take this case against uh the big the big law firm that uh andrew used to work for as andrew slowly gets sicker with aids um and and joe tries to confront his own prejudices uh mm-hmm. so that's that's the broad strokes of the movie we have in front of us i will start with you this time nicole what oh. do you think of the plot of philadelphia um, well, I can imagine that when this came out, it was pretty groundbreaking in, in terms of the subject matter. Um, so it's definitely interesting to see how these big time actors can put themselves into this kind of role. On a side note, were there like a ton of people in this movie named Joe or did I just hear that? <laughs> um, I think they just used his name a lot. I think I'm looking I feel at the like list he called of people a lot right of people now. Joe. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, there's Charles, Belinda, Miguel, Sarah, Bud, Jill, Lisa, yeah, Judge Lucas. there's only one Joe. Okay, yeah, well, he's, maybe he's every name, Joe. every name sounded like Joe, so I was getting a little confused while I was watching it, but anyway. Denzel Washington is Joe, that's the only Joe, yeah. everyone else yeah. is not Joe. <laughs> no, the, there's a whole chunk of this movie that I didn't know about, obviously not seeing it before, that these two were were butting head lawyers and now they have to come together as as he you know feel as he has to like bring himself down to ask this guy that he doesn't like to to um be his lawyer and i'm like you know that's such a tough decision when you know how this guy feels about you when you tell him that you're gay you have aids and 
what the, what's the fucking word I'm trying to think of for for the for that lawyer to be his lawyer represent Rep- um representation Counseling. yeah for for him to to ask him to have to represent him even though Andy knows just how poorly this guy thinks of him like that must be so tough but everyone else has turned him down like what do you do and you know this is a really powerful thing to watch as this guy slowly deteriorates because of this awful disease and being judged and seeing how the world treated people like this in the 90s is very hard to watch but i think that's where this movie shines is that it's bringing it was bringing um awareness to this to people that were watching it so um i i give the i'm gonna give the plot um a 3.5 because i did really enjoy it um excuse me and i really did feel bad for for him just the way that he was treated throughout this whole really painful part of his life and even his significant other you know having to deal with the aftermath of this like uh, it's just really hard to, to watch but in a good way so what do you got mama k well, I think this is one of those movies I, that I don't, I don't think I think about or do this very often, but I really have to put myself back in what it felt like in that time frame. This isn't nostalgia like a Pretty in Pink nostalgia. It's very different. But watching the plot of this, I have to remember that this was a groundbreaking movie and how um, there were theaters that didn't play this movie. I think it came out, I'm, I know it came out for Oscar season. So, you know, we've December got a couple of Oscars. Yeah, there there was a couple, um, you know, Oscar winners, Tom Hanks, uh, Bruce Springsteen, um, in for this movie, and it was as I was watching it again, I was just like almost jarred with how really terrible uh, it was. It was back then, and this is what are we looking at twenty seven, twenty eight years ago, something like that, twenty seven mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and there's still some things that haven't changed. There's still, I mean, there's a lot that has, and, and that's great. But um, I think this is an important story to tell that it probably took a while for it to get told because AIDS had been already out in the public for over 10 years at that point. Um, and when you're talking about a virus that killed, you know, up until this point, this virus has still killed almost 50% of the people who's had it. I mean, now there's plenty of treatments and and there are protocols and things like that when you get HIV um, and AIDS, but it, you know, and so if it's 50%, if 50% of everybody who's had it, almost 50%, say 40% have, have, have died. That number back then was, you know, staggeringly higher. Um, and so, so I think before this, you go go on with your thing, I, I'm curious because you are the only one. We were not born yet, or I guess Mel Cole was an infant, and I was almost born. But uh, <laughs> yeah. y- you were basically our age back then, and you're saying, "Oh, I kind of had to put myself back then and remember how it was." Do you how how much of this is how you remember it was, or di- or did this? I mean, wh- how do you remember this time period? Yeah, I mean, there was still people didn't come out. It wasn't something that you did because it was just you could get fired from your job. Just like well, just like the plot of this film. I think this film is based on a true story that happened. Um, yeah, it's, it's an amalgamation of two different famous court cases. Yeah, so I, you know, I think, and it was to actually have somebody who was willing to go to court say they were gay, ha- say they have this disease is just yeah it would have been astounding back then now you would think it's something that's pretty you know 
first of all, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't think it would happen, but if it did, it would be, you know, kind of perfunctory. People would be like, okay, yeah, they fired you because you were gay. You're going to get the money. You know, there was, I, at no point during this movie did I think that it was a given that he was going to get the settlement in his favor because even the judge in this film was sort of like, uh, dismissive to yeah certain, I was thinking certain the same pieces thing. of things yeah so it was just a, it was a totally different culture and i remember you know when we were in college is when at first when it there was first sort of the inkling that these things were going on and that it, and there was a, there was a new disease that was sort of prevalent in that community it didn't target them but it was prevalent in that community it was blood a lot of it was bloodborne issues so we were at ucla they were doing primary studies on all of this at that time and there was there was actually some kind of like you know people would be like i'm not sure i want to be in this school where they're doing these things you know they're doing this kind of studies i don't want to be in this school where there's this virus exists for them to you know so it was it was a lot different than it is now it's just the the not having the knowledge of of what this is and people being afraid like when he put his hat down on the guy's desk and he is like oh my god like it it was just they they didn't know what it was but no one was able to be educated yet i was gonna say like right now we are literally all at home because of an infectious disease that if you are within six feet of a person infected you could very easily be infected I mean, were people by the by the time the early '90s rolled around, there had definitely been studies done to indicate that it was blood specific and blood and sex specific. That saliva couldn't do it, like brushing up against someone couldn't do it. It was very specific how it was transmitted. But like, did people did people uh-huh. know and and choose to not believe it because of homosexual pre- prejudice, or or did people oh, yeah. still not nope. know, and that drove the prejudice? I think what I think until you have people until you had people's stories, actually, until you had the Ryan White story, I don't know if you know who Ryan White is, but he was a young boy who um, was a hemophiliac and he contracted AIDS through blood transfusion and he and he died. He became he and Elton John became really uh, good friends because his mother told his story. This is way before social media. So this stuff had to get out like through the newspaper and stuff like that. Um, and in, actually until that case, when people could put a different face on the disease of AIDS, this is all my point of view anyway. This is not like, you know, any sort of Bible situation that everybody believes this. This is just my thought is that hmm. um, people couldn't, you know, they were, they were a throwaway community. Gay, the gay community was a throwaway community and people didn't care in, in general. So it was like, well, I'm not, I'm only worried if I run into a gay person, you know, if, and then I'm really worried if I brush up against them or if, you know, any, you know, then, then it's a real concern. Um, so there was just a ton of stigma associated with it and not so much. I mean, there, there was people, you know, there were scientists that were interested in this, but the general public, not so much. And there wasn't a whole lot of financial backing behind it until, um, until the Ryan White story and he this little boy had it he he died from it and then all of a sudden people were like oh this could happen to other people besides just gay people who make really bad choices is where what they saw and I think that's how people looked at it in this movie too is that you could hear characters you know they would actually say that well you know he has this disease because he's making these really poor choices with his life and it's interesting and that in the at the trial when we're talking to the other woman who had AIDS and they don't tell us at first why 
and you know that's putting us into the juror's shoes or the the judge's shoes who don't know as much information they don't I don't think that they really knew how she got it yet until she came to the stand. And then that's when people realized, oh, this woman did nothing wrong. She got it because of the blood transfusion. So we're putting it in a different light as to why Andy has it. Right. And by wrong, being gay. Right. Having gay sex. You know, it's like... And so if we bring it back to the the overall plot, great. Okay. I I derailed us on that one, but I wanted to get your opinion since you were alive then, we were not. You were uh, adults then. So I I didn't know from your perspective, just being a person in that time, what it was, what you remember of this. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, of course, it's a two hour movie or whatever, and there's only so much you can do with it. But yeah, this was sort of a, this is, you know, this gives you a, a good flavor of what it was like. And I think me saying that I needed to put myself back in that time frame is that I need to be gentle with the the plot and, and certain things with this movie because it was groundbreaking at the time and that how I think about it, I really have to put myself back in those shoes. So by doing that, I'm giving the plot of this movie a four and a half for, for nothing but braveness, if nothing else. Yeah, I'm going to probably save that because I, I agree with those. This is groundbreaking in, in subject matter. I didn't know about the not playing in certain theaters thing. I mean, it makes sense to me now, I guess, kind of. but Not not makes sense in like a logical way, but makes sense for the time and, and, and yeah. climate. But um, the plot still for me, like it's, the, it's my weakest grade, but it's not bad because everything else is much better. Uh, because the plot, if I take a step back and away from and look at it as just an objective movie, about a topic and characters. Um, the plot's pretty basic. It's two rivals, and they don't really play that much up. They just do give you a little flavor and then quickly brush past the rival part of it all. The real, not even rival between them, is that the the Denzel has a prejudice towards gay people, probably before, before AIDS. It just seems like he's a bit the old-school macho man homophobic of the time, and he has to learn yeah. to confront his prejudice, clever making him a black character, and then, you know, he has to have that library scene where where he realizes the prejudice that, that Tom Hanks is going through is similar to uh, to a prejudice that a black person would have gone through that time or, or earlier or even later. Really, yeah. um, so I, I like that, but I, these are all kind of like conventional, like, uh, opposite sides, but then they have to learn to get along, and the bad guys are literally big, fat, jolly white guys in a corporate boardroom. I'm like, this. These are the most stereotypical like corporate boardroom guys since I don't know what's the what's the hula hoop movie that the Coen Brothers did. Um, yeah, what's that one called? You know what <laughs> I'm talking. You're losing me here. Well, okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? No, Tim Robbins. I wish I did. Tim what? Robbins, he invents the hula hoop and they make a big. Oh, oh. I, pe- people are screaming right now at their fucking at their fucking things. Yes, whatever I they're know. listening to. I feel terrible. The, Shit. Oh, the game. No, not the game. What's I, it called? I'm looking oh. it up right now. I'm. I feel so dumb. <laughs> I can't. I can't go on with uh, uh, not knowing. Um, it, well, it's, it's like funny. that though. It's, it's, it's these. It's these cartoonish, like over the top, like evil jowly white men. Um, yeah, but that's also you're talking about a movie from 1994, 1993. So that's that's really kind of where movies lived then. Everything was pretty stereotypical. Hudsucker so. Proxy. Oh, yeah, God it. damn it! Thank you, uh, Hudsucker Proxy. Heard that. 
two the I two know, words I'm, combined. I know. I just I, when I'm listening to podcasts and the, <laughs> the hosts just don't get something obvious right, and I'm screaming, I just need them to say it. So, Hudsucker Proxy is the jolly white man movie that the Coen Brothers did. Um, but my whole point in this saying is the plot is somewhat conventional, and then the triumph at the end, as well as the I mean, we're in spoilers. The the peaceful at peace death. Denzel finally has the courage to 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 put his mask on and and actually make physical contact with him at the end. You know, it's all it's all nice and sweet and and the characters and some of the visual stuff make it work. The plot is fairly conventional though. So I'm actually going to give it only a three. Um, I'm not, I don't think the plot is anything particularly special. It's actually pretty standard and elevated by really good script and really good directing and, and two really good lead performances, which we will talk about now. Uh, the characters, what do you think of the characters, Mama Kay? Well, when you talk about the plot and if you think it's formulaic, I mean, and you call the character stereotypical, I think that's true for your supporting cast. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the performances, I think Tom Hanks's performance in this is just, is so good. And this is one of those movies where, you know, now people lose 50 pounds for a movie and it's not a big deal, whatever. But he lost, I don't know, 25, 30 pounds for this movie. And, and it was sort of like the first time people did that kind of stuff, too. Where I mean, he really seems like... to have a running theme of doing that in some of his yeah, he... 90s films. <laughs> yeah he does um but he's good and 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 the dialogue is good and antonio banderas is okay you know it was like <laughs> looking back i was like i forgot i he's forgot okay. who who was in it but he was he was okay you know he was okay. um he was okay uh but uh, the two leads i think you had to have the right combination of people. And I think, I think that they did because I think if you had somebody else that was playing the, um, the Joe part, um, that was more squidgy or, you know, more ambulance chasery than he was, that wasn't going to work. Um, and I think the way that he, that Denzel played this character who, you know, disagreed with this man's lifestyle a hundred percent and based his, his, his opinion of him on that. And then, you know, you see a lot of scenes in the movie where his, his prejudice comes out and he really, he really struggles with it. I mean, it's a real struggle for him and it's really interesting to watch. I think that's one of the more interesting pieces to watch in this film is his performance and how he struggles with his prejudices as a black man. So uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the characters a four. What do you think, Nicole? Yeah, no, I think that the, I think the casting was for the, our main characters was pretty spot on. I think that they both gave us the portrayal of what this would actually be, you know, in the real world. And I didn't know this was based off of true um, events. So, you know, to find people that are willing to, play these roles that are so intense and and so vulnerable is 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 really admirable for those two actors and of course we i think that a lot of people really enjoy watching tom hanks and denzel washington and in, in pretty much anything that they do um that's pretty true yeah. yeah i mean i thought tom hanks was was excellent in this he really stuck to the nature the good the bad the the you know decrepit part of this person's life and he played it with so much like gusto it was like really um a great performance uh the the other characters nothing really sticks out to me if anything a lot of the side characters get kind of lost in this um when i say that i mean 
the secretaries and they all the 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 female lawyer on the on the other side like they all look exactly the same in this and it was hard for me to differentiate who was talking when the, when the female lawyer what's her name Herger Herger Steenburgen Mary Herger Burger when we she Mary Steenburgen we call her stop her. <laughs> why do you call her okay I don't because her name is Steenburgen. you know we don't have time for anyway that. <laughs> um when she came on we first, just spent a minute on it <laughs> when she came on first as the lawyer I know who she is but when I saw her I'm like why is the secretary now the lawyer. <laughs> I was just oh, so confused. You sexist, Nicole. I'm not. I'm yeah, just stupid. Yeah, but you stupid. know what? <laughs> you know, in watching it this time, she had one. She had a line that was great, and it might have been. It's not a throwaway, but it could have easily been a throwaway. Where she sits down uh, after she does the mirror scene with him, and he, you know, she asks him to look at the mirror, and and you know, can you see on your face from three feet away? You know the the cancer on your face and he says no because at the time he didn't have it at that point at you know it it comes and goes these um Mm -hmm. these markings Mm -hmm. and and then she sits back down and she says i hate i hate hate this case and that was just like wow i i really that kind of got to me a little bit like i'm i really liked that that they actually gave her a little bit of humanity absolutely Mm -hmm. so because not everybody felt this way. Not everybody was so disgusted. And, and there were people that were sympathetic towards this. And, you know, that when, when your line of business is to defend somebody, it's going to be defending no matter what it is. You know, you're, that's what your job is. You're getting paid to do this. So, you know, she could have all the qualms in the world. But um, it was it was good to see that there is there is passion behind people and humanity still which is you know what we're trying to get out of this film is that 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 we can't you know be so prejudiced towards these people when we don't even know the half of it um so yeah pretty much gonna give a four to the main characters and i'm gonna give a 2.5 to the other characters because (laughs) i couldn't i really couldn't stand the big wigs they were really annoying me they all looked the same again they had no personality differentials to like say oh i liked that guy or that guy was annoying they were all annoying (laughs) to me um and i'll leave at that so what's that a three yeah i mean the 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 I, I want to talk about the jelly men first because uh, it's disadvantageous to the plot to have these stereotypical characters, but I always find them really funny because they're like literally they're they're not mustache trolley villains because they don't have any, but uh, like I, what I say, uh, they, they sound like this. They go that's how they sound when they get really mad at stuff. So they're like, oh, we can't have these homosexuals in our office. Like that's exactly what they all sound like when they're chomping on their cigars in their boardroom, like. With the swill in their drinks, it's it's the most stereotypical thing, but I think it's kind of funny. I don't want to waste time on any other characters though than our leads because they're the best part of this. Um, I like how in the beginning when Tom Hanks is the up upshot lawyer that he looks like '80s Tom Hanks. He looks like like from Big or Splash <laughs> from Big, or yeah. Burbs. He like he has that hair and the goofy suspenders, and he's like he's like like a young kid. And then after a week after he gets fired, he rolls into into Joe's office, and he looks his hair is all shaved. He's got the lesions. He hasn't. He's just ugh, he looks he looks rough. And I'm like, oh, it's literally the movie that transitioned him from dopey '80s comedy guy into. Saving Private Ryan, Apollo 13, Castaway Guy. Like, this is the transition movie. This is the one he won the Oscar for. It makes sense. Um, right. So, uh, like, 
outside knowledge helps this even more, like knowing that this is like the kickoff to serious, like serious good Tom Hanks. Um, he's he's super solid in this. Uh, one distracting scene where he sings the opera for for ten minutes. I, it's a little long, yeah, a little much. I was gonna bring that up later in visual and sound, but okay. I think I elbowed Nicole during that. I'm like, oh, this is the part of the movie you're like, where you're like, oh, just get to it. And then halfway <laughs> through that scene, I'm like, wow, I'm I'm kind of agreeing with the fake you I just put in my head. I'm kind of over the scene. Let's just get to it. <laughs> um, that's a nitpick though. Uh, I, I to your point about Joe, uh, Denzel is a great pick for this because if you pick the wrong person, this character could come off as sleaze the sleazy homophobic yeah uh, pr- uh con- condescending prejudice well they gave snarky, us like, a family for him they put a family behind him which makes it different too it helps like, the new the new kid the wife who is seems to have a good head on her shoulders we see his growth mm-hmm. despite his outbursts at random gay people he runs into and people who who call him gay because he's defending a gay man so he has to deal with that and he's not comfortable with that at all he, he that's that's a whole growing piece for him uh but yeah this is this character could have very easily been horribly unlikable and you i never get to that point i'm always i'm always with him i always understand his struggle and and the way he is and coming to terms with uh with with growing a little growing a little bit so uh the leads yeah. are excellent the other characters are caricature i won't talk, talk about antonio Banderas because i don't think he's what what would you say he's he's not bad he's he's fine he's fine i really <laughs> okay all right i won't i won't talk about him Sturgerbergen's good <laughs> um yeah sure i i'll give this I, the leads are are fives and then everyone else is like a, a 3 to 3 5 range so i'll land on a 4 um visual and sound nicole what what do you got for that um i mean so the, this this movie won an oscar for the music? Yes, yeah, Springsteen gets song. For, the, for, best, for best song. I think oh, when that well, song came on, you're like, ugh. I'm <laughs> yes. biased because I'm not a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Sorry for all the New Jersey listeners. I'm also from New Jersey, and I will be the unpopular opinion. But the rest of it was just as bad. <laughs> 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 it was so 90s. <laughs> It was like Seinfeld music or something. I was not a fan of the cutaway scenes. <laughs> I know Brendan will talk about the cutaway scenes too. But yeah, the cutaway scenes. They were so like, did it, did did it, do pop, and then they like went to the next thing. He's talking beats. It was like an episode of Family Guy. It was not my style. I think they did an excellent way of portraying. The deterioration of Tom Hanks's life was, you know, with the illness, um, really brought home how, you know, weak and and sick that these people could be, and it's very disturbing to watch because that's as realistic as they could have made it. So they I thought they did a great job there. I mean, everything else really did not leave an impact on me. I'm really surprised to hear that that song won an Oscar. It was really, it's a weird time for it, too. Did they play it twice in a row? No, they played the opera song twice in a row. I think it was just really long. No, it was a whole scene of him dancing to it. And then the whole, then he left, Denzel left, and then he came back yeah, there was a couple opera scenes. There was, there was opera in a couple different. There were yeah, there was a break, the and then it came back to the same song again. I was like, ugh, we do not need that. 
Um, so this is definitely the weakest point of the film for me was the visual and sound, and I don't even know what to give it. I'll, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a two point five. What do you got, Mama K? Well, this is going to be really interesting if you know me. I also am not a Bruce Springsteen fan. Um, He's my first concert I ever and went to. Ugh. Because, yeah, because... Not by my choice. It your just father... happened to be there. No. Young enough <laughs> to not have to hear it. Like hear it. But you might oh, have gone like, to like the best Springsteen concert. I liked when he sang Erie Canal. Right, because he you did you went to the the Woody Guthrie concert or whatever it was, right? Or I can't remember who it was, but he was only sing, he wasn't singing his music; he was singing someone else's music. Oh, but, is that why he uh, didn't sing because, his song? I was very confused by he why he yes. was singing not his song. <laughs> yes, I had a weird first was, concert. I can't I guess. remember exactly. Mm. Yeah, well, the, you went because I wasn't gonna go. So and Daddy had two tickets, and you went. Um, I was like ten. Sorry. Why did he bring me to uh, that? <laughs> I think you were closer to like twelve or thirteen. But uh, I don't think anyway, so. <laughs> um, that's how much I finally did acquiesce and went to um, you know one of the big uh, Gillette Stadium Springsteen concerts, and I was you know there, and uh, so I'm not a fan. Having said that, this song evokes major feelings in me, and I think it's because of this movie. It really the the words, if you listen to it are just they're they're this story they're this guy's story not the story of the 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 case the the courtroom case but it's this man's personal journey with this disease um and i it it does i'm i'm very affected by that um there's also a song at the end that i really really like i think it's a neil young song maybe and i also am not a I'll say no one like no one here likes the Neil Young. I don't think either. Unless it's Harvest Moon. So this movie like messes me up in those things because I I you know my favorite when we talk about movies as we do on this podcast, um, I'm always the visual and sound kind of girl. I get big into the sound part of it, and I love soundtracks and I love listening to that kind of stuff. Um, So. I'm torn here because I really do like those two pieces of music. I like where they're placed at the beginning and the end of the movie uh, by artists that I generally don't like. And then the rest of it is just lost on me. And the whole opera part is just painful and Dante-esque and just awful. That scene where he's, he is, you know, the opera's playing and Denzel's there. I feel like I am literally in hell. It's just so (laughs) Painful. That's supposed to be like well, the, the big emotional is... artistic moment in the movie. Okay, well, when John Denzel realizes how beautiful, how beautiful his uh, his uh, th- this man is, not in a in a gay way, like in literally, like oh, he's That's... just a he's he's a good soul. That doesn't do it for me at all. It just makes me feel crazy and and close to death. And I mean, maybe those are things that he's feeling too. But probably because you haven't left the I house in days. To... That's true. But I no, I remember feeling that the first time. I remember being, uh, I remember probably saying something to your dad about it on the way out. Like this is why I hate opera. But um, I don't hate opera. I just don't enjoy it. I don't get it. I kind of don't. I kind of hate it. But <laughs> I think that so you hate all the music in this movie, part... even though it makes you feel things. But I do like no. I I don't hate the fir- I don't hate the two songs that I want because I want to. That's the problem. Is I really want to, but I can't. <laughs> I will for um, you. Michael's full of the hate for for those artists. Okay, well, there you go. Um, 
God, they're both such mumblers. Why? If they only just stuck a Bob Dylan song in the middle, that would have been a trifecta, and it would have been a nightmare, <laughs> like a literal nightmare for me. Or um, um, who's that guy I hate? Ugh, James Taylor. James Taylor. Did you say you hate James Taylor? I did. <laughs> oh, this is a total aside. We can't go down this path. That's that's. <laughs> we'll talk not about right. it off air. How about Neil Diamond? Yeah, sure. Let's do uh, that. Neil, Love Neil. Neil. Okay. Diamond. All right. We're taking this too far now. Um. <laughs> but aside from Simon. those two things stop <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel the, uh, <laughs> you can't you can't play off that for, I ended it I could have um, but I didn't okay oh my god <laughs> this is getting bad um, so Jonathan Demme's film before this I think uh, his biggest film up until this point was Silence of the Lambs, which is probably a bigger film than this. I was going to mention um, that. Like, and... only, he's really only done one of their really popular movie, and that's that's that. Yeah, and you hear his name, and you're always like, oh, he must have done some great... Because his name is very... It sounds like it's a very prolific name, but there's it really boils down to a couple well, films. He's prolific. He so... just only made two good movies. Okay. Pro- yeah, you're right. Uh, yes, you're correct. Um, so... I, I don't want to crap on this part of it, but I'm gonna because the rest I the like you said, the swipes in the cinematography and everything and he likes to do these weird close up thingies and then the Dante's Inferno hell opera scene was just no, it was so much for me and not appropriate. I, I that's not what I wanted to feel in the middle of this movie was like anger and you know i didn't want to feel mad at the movie in the middle of a movie i was really enjoying for what it was um it's a two for me yikes you guys uh i mean i'm sorry i i because yeah the music i don't that's a one and a half plus a four i'm not in love with the music nor do i hate it i don't the opera scene goes too far if it if it, if you cut it in half, I probably really like it, but it just it's too much. And then the next scene, it's I think too it's long. Nicole, yeah. Or one one of you said the the next scene. I, th- I think it was Nicole said it. It starts over. I don't know if it starts over or if it just kind of restarts. But yes, the opera goes on a lot in that. <laughs> starts in that over and restarts movie. is the same exact thing. <laughs> No, well, Denzel like, leaves it jumps the house, and in. then he thinks about going back. Yeah, Denzel leaves the oh, house, and so the opera's out. Then he thinks about going back in the house, and he can hear the. Yeah, opera it's like a twenty-minute song at the ten-minute mark. He kind of it fades away, and then it comes back in at the thirteen-minute mark and keeps going. Like I think it was more of that <laughs> feel to me, which I guess isn't much better than restarting it. But um, so the the sound isn't like awesome. Although I, I like the intro song, I like the the intro credits. Um, but uh, the and the, the only Bruce Springsteen song you mean. Is that the one? I thought that I thought that one came yeah. later. The the the, the visuals. The only problem I have is the transitions, where it does like Nicole has said the Seinfeld. It does like flips and wipes. Like I think of Star Wars when I think of the wipes. Like no, we um, said we we compared it to a PowerPoint presentation last. Night. It is. It is very yeah, power- exactly. Like I'm surprised it didn't yeah. do that weird like checkerboard dissolve. I'm like. <laughs> It just doesn't fit the tone of this movie. Like the cut, the cuts are. There's so many times where it like whoop whoop whoop, yeah, like flips. It's weird. It's very weird. But when you said the camera work, like the close ups, and like 
I like all that. I like his directing style outside of the transition scenes. I like the close-ups. Every time they're in an office or in a small room, the courtroom feels big when it needs to, and then it kind of slowly moves in, like when Denzel has to approach the bench after his outburst. I like when uh, when Andrew's getting sick in the at the stand and all the sideways camera shots, and he's looking iller and iller every time. Not like ill, but like like more and more sick, Jesus. and uh, not like sick. Let's talk about I that like, first. Let's talk about that scene for a second because that's that scene goes on for a fair amount of time right it's long Where he's like looking looking away but the i felt the most powerful part of that scene was the end where it's just him and he's unbuttoning his shirt to show everybody the the lesions that he has on his body all great and not all great i feel like that was better than him passing out that was better than him you know watching things looking in a wonky way because he his his i just thought that was i thought that was way more powerful the way that tom planks tom planks <laughs> tom, tom planks he's a, oh, it's a it's not that funny sponge. don't you can't be laughing at tom planks that's <laughs> i'm just laughing at her laughing it's great i don't i'm laughing at it <laughs> crack yourself up over tom planks oh no the tom planks oh, challenge no. <laughs> I was thinking a SpongeBob mashup. No, no. Jess is not here for no SpongeBob. Tom Plankton. No. <laughs> I I like I like that now. whole scene because I'm tense the whole time because I'm waiting because I know he's gonna pass out and I'm waiting for it and then you throw in in the middle of that scene the unbuttoning the shirt showing the legions all great. All the way Denzel plays that, the me- the way the mirror works, I think the directing in this movie, outside of the weird wipe parts, is really good. Because because I I shouldn't I when it's movies like this, I'm like I like want like you know I I live in the 21st century. I want to look at my phone. I want to go get up and go to the bathroom and not pause it. I just I don't I'm not super in, into every movie I watch. This one I didn't want to look away from the whole time. And usually when I when I have a movie like that and it's not the story that's pulling me super in and I can't put my finger on like a specific thing it's because it's directed really well it's because they made the shots of the movie work so that it keeps you engaged the whole time and the pacing's right and and all the scenes are despite having weird transition scenes are cut together well um i i give the visual and sound i want to give it a four or five but i'll give it a four because the music I, i will concede is not a not a strength in this so but i i do really like the directing style in this um but the end, we we kind of you know this this passing out lesions uh, scene is the beginning of the end. Uh, he is hospitalized. His health gets worse. Uh, we find uh, we get we get parts of the uh, some of the jury, which made me think of like Twelve Angry Men, which is one of the greatest you know pre movies of all time. It's we need to do that movie. You never seen Twelve Angry Men? That's a black and white movie, Nicole. Scene that you haven't seen. I just said. I just said we need to do that oh, movie. Okay. As I've seen Twelve Angry Men. Okay. I saw it in school. Sorry, I got places. overzealous. I was like, "You've seen Twelve Angry Men? It's so good." Yeah, Twelve Angry Men. Yeah, you just went Twelve Angry Men on me. Right? <laughs> I know. I was I was juror number seven. Uh, yeah, number seven. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, I I I loved. Yeah, I was like, oh, I could do a whole movie about the jury from from this movie because I bet that's probably a pretty interesting jury. Um, but but we find out like he wins a majority of the of the jury's votes. They they settle with him over several different things uh, in the end, summing to around five million dollars. Uh, and so they're like, yeah, we won, good job, Joe. And then Joe goes and visits Andrew in the the hospital with friends and family. 
he is in very poor condition. And as I said earlier, uh, he takes this uh, oxygen mask before they have the tubes. That mask looks horrible. The, all the CO2 you're breathing back in your face, says Nicole. I'm like, oh, the tubes are so much better these days. Um, but uh, 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 Andrew takes the mask off to talk to him. He's too weak to put it back on. So Joe, for the first time, reaches down, puts it back on, t- and he touches his face a little bit. So, like, you know. He's showing he's getting he's gotten over his I like that little like sign that he's 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 grown. That's mm-hmm. his groans like uh, grown as a character moment. Um, and mm-hmm. then the end is it's like a memorial service is held. Uh, they don't really outright show Andrew dying, but he's he's the last person's leaving. and He's like, I think I'm ready or whatever. Everyone gives him like a nod. Goodbye. A little long. I'll give you guys that every single person having to give him a nod or a kiss or a handshake or whatever they do. <laughs> they, they do the whole, was the whole crew awake at this point. I know after the after the um, after the Joe take putting his mask back on, I'm like, you were starting to fall asleep. I'm like, eh, it's like five minutes left. There's nothing important left. I'll let you go. Um, so, yeah, it ends. It ends at a memorial service held at the fa- for the family and the friends. And Miller comes to the party or the party the service, and uh, then you see some home movies of Beckett as a child, and that's how we end uh, on the home movies. So that's the. I really don't like that part of the ending. I really. Why do you say that? I, mean, I think you're up for Resident Evil, just... so go ahead, right into your Resident Evil. Oh, okay. That, yeah. yeah um, well, let us talk about that right now. I, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I know you had to. He had to end the movie, and you don't want to. You don't want to end it with him just saying whatever he was saying to Antonio Banderas. I'm ready or whatever. And no, you really don't want to end this movie with Antonio and... Banderas. That'd be a horrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you. But and and having the service is fine and everything. I just I don't know about ending it. I don't ending it with the home movie thing sound seemed really corny to me, and also very long. It was way too long. I was all done watching. There was a couple of really cute pictures of him like pulling in an ice chest with his brothers. That would have been enough for me. I didn't need to see all that stuff. Um, Resonance and feel for this movie, though. Or before the credits. The credits start at the the end of the home movies. Oh, God. Yeah. I think during the last home movie, as directed by Jonathan Demme. Yeah, that's it. Mm, That was it for me. Um, The resonance and feel of this movie, um, this is probably the first time I've seen it all the way through since the first time I saw it all the way through in the theater. And I was I was just as emotional as I was then. It was it was you know really um really emotional and i think for different reasons now i mean i was happy to think about how we've progressed since then but also a little you know sad to think that it hasn't gone more so and really really sad thinking that you know you have a disease like i said that killed so many people the percentage of people killed and and how how the world treated it compared to how the world is treating what is happening right now where the percentage of you know the percentage of of mortality is a fraction of what it is was for this disease um is sobering to and be fair coronavirus like spreads easier than AIDS i mean if we're going to compare them true but the number the of people bleeding on each other and banging way. each other in the streets is just much lower than than breathing near but i understand your point i get, <laughs> uh, I get what you're saying through the 80s apparently i mean that was the time of drive-by shootings people were bleeding in the street let's be okay, honest we didn't all grow up um, wherever you grew up so <laughs> no you did not you're welcome 
but I felt I felt really I, I I felt a lot. Let's put it that way. And I and I even was able to keep feeling for the songs that I generally don't uh, like the artists of. So uh, the resonance and feel for me is definitely a four for this movie. What do you got, Nicole? Um, I agree with that. Um, it's really difficult to watch the the stigma that was you know so prevalent at the time for people like this, and you know just as, as recently that we've watched uh bohemian rhapsody because that's another you know it's a famous mm-hmm. person that had this disease and that brought some light to people you know originally about what what happens with this illness and you know there there wasn't much progress you know at all in in how people were perceiving these people and providing them assistance mm-hmm. and not looking at them uh, you know in a bad light and it's so hard to to watch that. It is sad to see that, but I think that's why this movie was as good as it was is because it does bring us some insight on how this poor man had to spend his final days of life was fighting a company that discriminated against him because of a disease that he could not control. And, you know, like, what does that say about the society of the time and what does that carry on through now even with with some things you know so yeah this definitely has a resonating part you know it's very important to think about what this movie stands for so i'm gonna give it a four as well yeah yeah it's a strength of the movie it could be the strength of the movie um this was never a tear jerker for me uh which is i i am prone to do in many movies um it did it didn't hit whatever notes i need for it to do that doesn't mean i wasn't completely invested and i was thinking about this and like the plot is i said earlier is conventional and like the the characters outside of our main two are caricature e but it like i was so super on the main character side and okay no it's like, i tend to have sympathetic views towards villains in movies i, I tend to see it uh <laughs> i tend to be both sides in a movie I, I like i'm like sometimes the heroes bore me to be fair like i mean the villains are tend to be more interesting and this one i was i was so hardcore on our protagonist side that that's rare for me that's almost that's that's probably rare for me to be so on team protagonist than crying i probably cry in more movies than i am than ones that where i'm not sympathetic at all towards the villains uh they're not sympathetic villains whatsoever is it because they were is it because they were attorneys so even though they're protagonists they're still terrible well that's the people. thing is like denzel's still kind of an, an asshole but like I'm, and 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 in tom hanks in the beginning still kind of an asshole before he you know gets get, becomes sympathetic because of his disease and his plight but yeah i think that probably has something to do right. with it it helps not having such <laughs> traditional mushy characters uh you know what's what's uh what do you call a thousand lawyers in the ocean floor you know the, the, that wonderful joke at the end of this movie right uh, everyone knows the end. It, well, that they said twice in this. They movie. said it right after they yeah. said it the first time to the guy in the elevator. And the ele- the guy, I actually like right. when when Tom Hanks is telling it to Denzel and the thing. I I woke Nicole up and said, "Huh, good start. Yeah, funny." Uh, <laughs> even, uh, was it was this was this a, a new joke back then? Probably not. Right. Uh, probably not. I'm a, I'm gonna stick with the f- lawyers have been around a long time. I'm gonna stick with a four as well. Um, doesn't break into the tier barrier, but way more resonance and feel than I ought to have, and and it is. 
when you say the groundbreaking, it's it it earns that status. I think it uh, is of that quality and uh, and and lives up to the groundbreakingness name. Uh, we are at the end here, though, and I'll start with you, Nicole. Would you recommend the movie you recommended to us, Philadelphia? Oh, um, <laughs> I'm glad that I put it on my list. It was something I never saw before, and I really wanted to, you know, take a look at, at why this became such a big deal. And I am very happy that I watched it. Um, so I would definitely recommend this just to get a little insight on, you know, something that you may not be so familiar with. Mama Kit? It's a recommend for me. 25 years, 26 years apart, I would recommend it. Yep. Easy three recommends for Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's a real solid, like, three and a half, four star movie. Like, uh, it's, it's not the, I almost said it's not groundbreaking. It is groundbreaking. It's not, uh, but it's not like a favorite type of kind of movie. I mean, I, I could see someone really loving this, um, but it's just really well done. Uh, the lead performances are so good. And, um, there's the weaknesses you guys are pointing out in the visual sound. I didn't have those to the degree you guys did. Um, so I don't really find any weaknesses in this movie. I think it's more of just like a real solid above average movie that also has some, some groundbreaking qualities. So three recommends for Philadelphia. There you go. There's another two more hours you can get, uh, you can kill in your house this, this week. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah we because uh, as i said at the top of the show because of the coronavirus we will not be going to the theaters because the theaters don't have anything um and we were just going to keep hammering these streaming reviews for the foreseeable future we already have some lined up on our lists that we compile ourselves uh but we are always taking listener suggestions that's you guys if you guys want to hear yes. a movie and it's streaming there's a very good chance we will do it because there <laughs> we we have slots to fill and uh you know, we if as long as we don't all not want to do it, it'll probably get done. So if you want to recommend anything to us, you can uh, go to our Facebook Films with the Women. Why did I fuck that up? We can go to our Facebook Films with the Women in My Life. <laughs> That's our Facebook page, Films with the Women in My Life. You can reach out to me on Instagram. I am Brennan underscore Podhost. I'm surfing Instagram all day. Uh, Mama K, what's our Twitter? Here, if you want to reach out to Mama K. Uh, Films with the Women. Do you know this for a fact? We've been saying this for a couple episodes now, but I don't really know what our handle actually is. (laughs) Uh, For a fact, do you want me to fact check it right now? I can can do some fact checking. And while you're doing that... How else can they reach us? And while you're doing that, uh, you can also email the show at filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. I do check the email periodically, so I pretty much run all the stuff except for the Twitter page, which which Mama K runs. And Mama K, what, what is that Twitter? Our Twitter is at films women pod actually but you can if you look up films with the women in my life it'll come up but at films women pod there you go so there's all the places to reach us <laughs> recommend stuff to us <laughs> nicole we're almost done um, you know we're done right now uh that, Hold it together. that's all that's all the plugging uh i don't know what we're doing next i'm not on the schedule in front of me but keep on streaming Keep on streaming, people. Stay safe indoors. Do not leave your houses, even if your work tries to tell you to go. Just stay home. Uh, <laughs> if you lose your job, I mean, we'll get new ones, I guess. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, until next time, this is Brennan signing out saying thanks for listening and enjoy your movies. Bye. Thanks for listening to Films with the Women in My Life. If you enjoyed being a listener in our life, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave a review as it helps more people find the show. Like us on Facebook at Films with the Women in My Life. Follow us on Twitter at Films Women Pod. And check out our website, filmswiththewomen.libsyn.com. 
www.libsynlibsyn.com. Original music for the show was created by Ian Burke. Original artwork created by Nicole D'Alessio. This show is produced by Brandon Snyder.